0: About me. You're my glory. You're the of
1: my we are genuinely grateful that you have chosen to listen to our service this morning at First Presbyterian Church in Jacksonville, Illinois, on this Sunday, January 30th, 2022. Rev. Jonathan Warren has titled his sermon today, For Such a Time as This. Our first scripture reading is taken from Esther 4, 4-16, and our gospel reading is taken from Luke 4, 21-30. Our special music selection, Go Ye Into All the World, is performed by the Church Chancel Choir. We pray that all is going well for you so far in 2022. And we lift up each one of your family members in our prayers, that this next week may be filled with peace and joy and good health.
2: The Gospel reading this morning is from Luke 4, 21-30. Let us listen to the word of God. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor cure yourself and you will say do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum and he said truly I tell you no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown but the truth is there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many leopards in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman in Syria. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up. Drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built, so that they may hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Oh. Wow. scripture
3: reading comes to us from Esther chapter 4, verses 4 through 16. Let us listen to the word of God to us this morning. When Esther's, Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her the queen was deeply distressed, she sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for hathach one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hathak went, to, went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hathak Went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law all alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews, for if you keep silence at such a time as this, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days night or day i and my maids will also fast as you do after that i will go to the king though it is against the law and if i perish i perish this is the word of the lord thanks be to god in january 1986 you probably remember the space shuttle challenger exploded Only a few of the engineers in the program knew exactly why it happened. In fact, they tried to stop the launch from happening, telling those in charge that an explosion was imminent. They knew freezing conditions in a January launch would mean gaskets wouldn't seal properly and something awful would happen, but nobody listened. The launch went on as scheduled, and we all know what happened after. What would you do in a situation like this? I mean, if it meant you might lose your job because of sharing this, would you do it? If you knew that you could stop something awful from happening, would you do it? What if it meant losing your life? Would you be a whistleblower? Would you do that? Six months before the explosion occurred, Roger Bajolsky, one of the engineers, predicted a, it says, a catastrophe of the highest order involving loss of human life in a memo to managers at vehicle. A tearful Bajolsky told Zwirling in 1986, we all knew what the implication was without actually coming out and saying it. We all knew if the seals failed, the shuttle would blow up. Armed with the data that described that possibility, Bajolsky and his colleagues argued persistently and vigorously for hours. At first, the OCHL managers agreed and formally recommended a launch delay, but NASA officials on a conference call challenged the recommendation. Now, the explosion of the Challenger and the death of its crew, including teacher in space Krista McAuliffe, traumatized the nation. It left Bajolsky disabled by severe headaches and deep depression. In fact, he would carry large boulders across his yard all day long just to be able to fall asleep out of sheer exhaustion. Just over a year in April of 1987, he was thin, tearful, Tense, he huddled in the corner of a couch, his arms tightly folded in his chest. However, it was now that he was finally ready to speak publicly. Jolski and his colleague finally went to PBS for an interview. They told the world that the NASA pressure caused the Ockel managers to put their management hats on, as one source told them. They overruled the engineers and told NASA to go ahead with the launch. Bajolsky said, I'm very angry that nobody listened. We were talking to the right people. We were talking to the people who had the power to stop the launch. Now, the recommendation of a therapist, he spoke out even more than just this interview. For close to three decades, Bajolsky traveled to engineering schools around the world, speaking about ethical decision-making and sticking with data. He says to his wife, this is what I was meant to do, to have an impact on young people's lives. Right up until his sudden death just a few years ago, Bajolsky continued to respond to emails and letters from engineering students His wife recalls, he always stood by his work. He lived an honorable and ethical life, and he was at peace when he died. Now, to some extent, this is exactly uh, what Esther in our Bible story does. Of course, she doesn't want to do it at first because she knows that if she speaks to the king without any authority, her life could be at risk. But Mordecai, the one who raised her when she was an orphan, asked that this might be the very reason she, a Jew, became the queen. And he tells her that this might be her very call, to stand up for her people, to stand up for the Jews when no one else is able to. Right before the Jews would be annihilated by the orders of Haman, the second in command, these orders were already approved by the king. So Esther has a limited window to stand up and speak to the king as queen, and she knows that her life is at risk when she speaks out of turn. In fact, the very words that convict Esther is when Mordecai says this, For just such a time is this. It's Esther's time. For such a time as this, she has the opportunity to be a whistleblower on Haman and stop his evil plan of annihilating entire people from happening. But she must act swiftly and cunningly. Now keep in mind, the last queen, Queen Vashti, took a stand against the king and was pushed out of power It's the very reason Esther became queen in the first place. Now, the king doesn't know Esther's a Jew. She has kept it hidden from him. And right now, she's in a situation where she can help her people. She's at the right time, in the right place, in the right position to stand up. For such a time as this. And she's moved to action even at the cost of her own life. Esther has no idea whether she will be successful, just like Bajolski for the Challenger. Yet she's emboldened. She says, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now, unsurprisingly she doesn't have the strength to do this on her own so she asks for help and prayer and fasting to god in the face of death she's given strength from god to be bold so that she can confront the king with the truth of who she is to save her people With god's help she stands up when her people cannot for such a time as this. God gives her the courage to go toe to toe ousting this terrible bully, Haman. Now the question I keep coming up to is, would I stand up for what is right? Would I be bold in the face of extreme power, tragedy and adversity? It's a conundrum, i be convicted and emboldened when another told me for such a time as this. We follow the ways of Christ, who did stand up for those in need, willing to die on the cross for those who betrayed him, but that's a tall order. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. We're each called to moments in our lives where we must stand up, even if we don't want to, for the least, and those in need, even at the risk of losing our jobs or our families or our very lives, In fact, this is even addressed in the polity of our church. It says in the book of order, that the church is to be a community of faith entrusting itself to God alone, even at the risk of losing its life. We can risk the church's life Now, this isn't an easy thing to do, yet we must remember the powerful phrase, for such a time is this, and in these times, we do not stand on our own. We follow brave and courageous folks like Esther who pray to God, and in those times, we must pray. With God's strength and courage, we can follow the example of Esther and Christ and so many others, but the hard part is we must be willing to risk. The Greek Stoic philosopher, uh, Peticus, said, among other things, it is difficulties that show what men are. God has put us in places and gives you influence over others. Either through your job, in the community, in our church, whatever it is, you are in a place. You have influence. You can do what's right in the face of adversity. Even if you're a kid or a teenager, you might not think you have any position or influence, but adults and authorities listen to children and youth much better sometimes than adults because it takes a lot of guts to speak up. So sometimes the people with the least authority tend to have the most influence. For such a time as this, with God's help, we are called to stand up to bullies. We're called to stand up against oppression. We're called to stand up for the least of these. We're called because we are the church of Jesus Christ, a community of faith entrusting itself to God alone, even at the risk of losing its life. And we go with the great cloud of witnesses and the Holy Spirit who gives us strength and courage and hope to face anything that might come our way even death itself for we know these words for such a time is this In the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen
1: the congregation and visitors can now enter through the east or north doors. Our in-person service starts at 10 a.m. We do however ask that you keep your mask on while moving about in the building. In the sanctuary there are two sections, one for vaccinated and one for unvaccinated individuals. The ushers will guide you to the section of your choice. Those in the vaccinated section can now sing without a mask. Join us at www.facebook.com slash and join our Monday First Prez Jax community group which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question answer and sharing group with the pastor. This is a private room and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9:55 a.m. You can visit www.firstpresjax.org/donate and make your contribution there or send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois 62650. You also can contribute through your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870 Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org That's office at f-i-r-s-t. P R E S, J A X dot O R G.